Hey, welcome tonight to, uh, welcome to Leadership Night here at Summit Church. Glad you guys are joining us. I uh, want to welcome all of you that are watching online as well. We appreciate you taking time out of your night to uh, grow your leadership, and I uh, hope our time together is helpful and fruitful for those of you that are watching online, and appreciate all of you guys that are here in the room tonight. Um, don't forget, it's always the first Wednesday of every month, 7 p.m. without fail. Uh, we're going to be here, so... Um, just mark it down, put it on your calendar. Um, let me pray, and then we'll jump into our conversation for the night. God, thanks for doing all you've done. Uh, we pray that tonight's conversation would be fruitful, it would grow us, it would grow your kingdom, and it would help us lead better so that, uh, so that you could be glorified in us. So God, have your way among us tonight. I pray for the needs in this room, the things that people are going through that nobody realizes or knows about. I just pray your blessing on those. Lord, those that are watching online that are struggling with different issues, different situations, I just pray your blessing on them tonight. And, and like I said, Lord, have your way with us this evening. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, tonight we're doing something a little different than we normally do. We're switching some things up. Uh, normally our format is that we will, um, we will take about 25 minutes and do some teaching and then we'll just do some Q&A. So what I want to do tonight though is we're going to do some, uh, I'm just going to ask some questions, let you guys give some feedback. We're going to talk about that a little bit and, uh, and really, um, like I said, we're going to experiment, try something a little different tonight. Um, I think all of us if you're a leader, um, you've got an idea of what leadership should look like. You've got an idea of what uh, a healthy team is. And we've talked in the past about uh, how to develop healthy team culture um, and, and what I believe is important to do that. So we've walked through some of those processes before, um, some of those ideals, uh, values, things like that. But, but I want to I back up. And, and what I want to do is um, I want you to... Divorce yourself from whatever role you lead in right now, and, and I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, um, what would my ideal work environment look like? Um, what are the values? What are the, the systems? Whatever it is, I would just love for you to take a second and think about it, and then I want to get some feedback from you guys. If we were just starting an a, a ideal work environment from scratch, what are some things it would look like, um, and how would we describe that? So if you have something you want to shout out at me, I would love for you to. So your ideal. Perfect. It's nirvana. Okay, positive attitudes. Oh, I was like, what is that sound? <laughs> Forgive my writing and spelling tonight. Yes. Were you, oh, you, you said, yeah, that's my son. It's not me. What else? Positive attitudes. Moral, yeah. What else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, for those of you that are watching online, what he said was something where everyone benefits. It's, 
Not just one team that benefits, but if, if we win, we win together, basically. Is that the idea? Um, how about, if, can I just put that, we win together? Is that, will that explain what we're talking about? We win together. Okay. That's a good one. What else? Well, <laughs> spoken like a true boss right there. Everyone knows exactly what I want and does exactly the way I want it. I like that. Um, total uniformity to the boss's will. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. A collaborative team? Okay. That's much more appropriate. Yeah. Collaborative team. What else? What kind of communication? Clear communication. Okay, that's good. Mark, did you say something else besides clear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. What else? Mentoring culture, that's good. What do you mean by that, if you don't mind me asking? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's not just about being mentored, but creating space for you to mentor if you want to. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that makes sense. The way you even described it, it made me think that you were you would like to pour into some other people, but you might not have the space to do that. Is that, okay, that makes sense. Mentoring culture. What else? These are good. Yeah, self-starter. It sounds like, and maybe I'm wrong, Jody, it looks like you might be going, you've got proactive, but you also want like a, a, a culture of care and community, or is that kind of what you were going toward? Am I, is that totally off? Or? Proactive self-starter? Okay. Well, that was your initial word, so. I'm just writing now. what, Christy? Loyalty. Um, yeah. We're going to circle back on some of these and talk. I can't say circle back now because I, I used to say that all the time. And now that the White House press secretary says it so often, it's become a meme. I feel guilty about saying circle back. So anyway, loyalty. Yeah. What else? Okay, team of multitaskers. <laughs> Again, that sounds like something a boss would say. A uh, team of multitaskers. Team of, and I'll read back through these because you can't read any of them. Multitaskers. People to do it all. What else? Flexible schedule. Man, that has become a big thing in the uh, workforce today. Flexible schedule, what else? Okay. 
I think that kind of goes back to collaborative team. We'll start that one. What else? Ideal work environment. If you could create a work environment from scratch, what are what, what, what would you like to see? What do you need? That's good. Thenic. Okay. <laughs> okay, diversity, can I say that? D- diverse strengths, maybe. That's good. I'm glad that uh, Lisa said flexible schedule because if we're going to be honest, don't we all kind of want that stuff? But we we don't want to say any of the selfish stuff except for Christy and Bob. They're they're going to be selfish for all of us. But no, like, don't we want like better work schedules and you know some of those kind of things? But what else? If you're just thinking, like I said, divorce yourself from leadership. You're just thinking in my work environment, ideally, what else? What are some other things? Yeah. Compassionate. Oh, yeah. There was somebody else who was about to talk and safe. Like, are you talking physical, emotional? All of it. Yeah, safe. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that could go together, but we'll say, um, um, how about if I just put compassionate, parenthetically, boss? Is that okay? Okay, that's less writing for me. That's really what I'm after tonight, so. Okay. Okay, low offense. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, work that matters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. If you feel like it matters, then it makes it better for you. Yeah, work that matters. Anybody else? Kelly Marsh, inviting open door policy. Um, could we tie that in with clear communication, you think? Maybe, it's, it's kind of different. Open door, we'll just put open door. Open door. And somebody else said something here. Yeah. Those are two different things, by the way. Clear and measurable sometimes. Clear, measurable goals. Uh, Is measurable E-A-B-L-E? Measurable. We're going with that. You can't read it anyway. This is just for me. There you go. Yeah, this is just for me at this point. I might as well be writing on my notepad. Um, 
It's good. Accountability from the top down. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. Uh, it's, I just am giggling a little just because we've had some issues with that locally with some of our companies and, uh, you know, hasn't always been good accountability from the top down. Accountable. And it's interesting because bosses like to hold people accountable, but we don't always like to be held accountable, do we? Like accountability is for people down the flow chart, not us. Accountable. Anybody else? Okay. Um, could that go with collaboration? We're going to start that one again. Double star times two. Okay. Um, it looks like she went on to say share success. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, anybody else? We've got a pretty long list here. Anybody else? Profit driven? Okay. Okay, how about, yeah, results driven? I like that better. Uh, results driven. On their what goals? Strength goals. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Do you, can you tell? My handwriting's pretty bad, but it gets worse the lower on the board we get, so uh, the angles get funny. Efficiency. Um, okay. This is a pretty good list for us so far. Um, so let me ask you guys a question. Does the organization that does all these things exist? But it doesn't keep us from wanting it, does it? Um, why, why does an organization like this not exist? Why do you think? People, the human beings. If it wasn't for the humans, then we would have something like that. <laughs> it sounds like we just set up Terminator 2. It's what it sounds like. If we just get rid of human beings and bring in machines, then life would be better. Well, that's the beginning of the end. That's right. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think human beings get in the way of this. Um, do you think a size of an organization changes the amount of these things we see in it? Do you think smaller organizations naturally are better at some of this? Or do you think larger organizations are? Do you think there's a correlation between those things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So larger organizations, the, the, the bigger the organization, the further away the decision makers are from what's actually going on. So you're saying smaller organizations tend to be more efficient? Okay. Okay. Does... Um, does a bigger organization tend to be um, less collaborative, less 
clear communication, less morals, and I just picked a few randomly, less moral. Do you think a bigger organization tends to be, or do you think smaller, or do you think that matters? Do you think they can be equally some of these things? Because there's a few of these, as we were firing them off, a few of these that I, in my mind, I mean, I know the question I was going to ask. So a few of these I thought, oh, I think, you know, this is the direction here. And I think bigger are better at some of these, smaller are better at some of these. But, well, let's go here. Uh, clear communication. Mark, did you say clear communication? Uh, who, who said Brian said clear communication. Okay, so every organization, no matter how big or small, we, we desire clear communication, whether we're communicating expectations, goals, whatever it might be. We all want clear communication. Um, and many of you are leaders in organizations, and you might have heard from people that communication isn't as good as you would like. Maybe you did a 360 review, maybe something like that, and somebody said, I wish communication was stronger. Um, and I know if you're like me, your response probably was, we're doing all we can. I'm emailing you. I'm texting you. I'm walking into your office. I'm slacking you. We're on Microsoft Teams. We're doing all the stuff. I don't know how I could communicate any more to you than I already am communicating, but there still seems to be a gap in communication, doesn't there? And that would be one of the things that among a few others on this list, I think, that I just, that was an easy, low-hanging fruit, that I think is maybe not as big an issue as we think it is, but it's always going to be an issue. No matter what we fix, no matter what we put in place, there's always going to be a gap between what we think we know and what we think we need to know. Does that make sense? Um, and, and, and I think unless you are the CEO, I think they're the only one in the organization. It's the people on the C-suite are the ones who feel like they've got all the information. Everybody else feels like they're lacking information. I might be wrong on that, but every organization I've ever been connected to, there's always been a gap. Um, even the, like not just like when I was part of the team, not leading the team, there was still gaps. Um, a, a friend of mine, he uh, came on staff at a very large church and one of the first questions he was asked, uh, or that he asked was, what do you think the biggest problem with our staff is? And over and over and over and over and over, he heard communication. By far, it was the number one. And he said, okay. And so he literally spent the next year putting systems in place for lines of communication, who's gonna communicate to who, how they're gonna do it, what it's gonna look like. Um, they spent a year putting it together. Uh, they spent a year implementing it. And after that time, they did another staff survey. What's the biggest weakness on our staff? Communication. It was right at the top. And it was like, oh my gosh, we just spent two years on this and we still stink. And, and I really do think part of that is perception. Like we just, we don't know what we don't know. And we assume that there's more we need anyway. So that was just one of them. And that's one of those things I think translates beyond big and small. Um, what about, um, let me see, there was another one I was looking at. We talked about efficiency, and I believe you said you thought smaller companies were more efficient typically. Is that what you had, had said? Um, do you feel like that's generally the case? Most of the time it's the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. They 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you guys see that in different fields that you guys are in as well, that maybe sometimes bigger is not always as efficient or typically not as efficient? Is that what you guys see? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in the banking industry, a lot of times bigger banks are more efficient. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, Jody. Um, sometimes the bigger you are, the more people can specialize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. It's easier to replace people in a bigger company? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're just worker bees. Let's cut those people loose. No, I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, for sure. And that makes sense. Uh, and, and I think some of that is maybe not as clear cut. I think sometimes... There's some uh, sociological pressures too because it's like, man, I know this person. They've got a family, and so I'm going to give them more grace. Maybe they're not doing as good a job as they should, but, man, I know their wife and their kids, and uh, I'll, I'll give them a little more slack. So I think some of that probably plays into some of that as well. But, yeah, I think that can be the case. Um, um, so what I'm, I want to show you is I think a lot of these, it's neither big or small, are inherently better or easier to function in these things. I don't think a small company is inherently more ethical or moral than a large company because, uh, just to be honest with you, I'm just being transparent right now. I've known some small churches that were totally amoral, like the pastors of their church, when I found out some of the things they believed or did, I was like, whew, man. Like, you got issues, brother. But I've also known some pastors of some really big churches that were like that as well. Um, I, so I think a lot of this stuff comes back to um, it comes back to leadership. It comes back to the person that's kind of um, steering the ship. Um, one of the things I was talking to Michael about today is that I feel like... Um, you know, when we talked about culture, the person most responsible for culture in a company is the senior leader. Um, if it's in a department, it would be a department leader and whatever it might be. They are the person that's responsible for their culture. And part of the reason they're responsible for the culture is that the, the organization tends to go in the direction of the senior leader's heart. And so... Um, a lot of this stuff we see, the moral and ethics, well, it kind of comes back to who's in charge and who are the people they're empowering. Um, because if they are moral people, they're going to lead in a more moral way. Um, positive attitude. I mean, basically through this whole thing. Now, this isn't foolproof because, again, I think the bigger you get, the more margin there is for error, the more you're going to have people that are stinkers at times and, you know, mess up some of these things. But I feel like a lot of this stuff comes back to who's in charge, who's empowered, and who's steering the ship. 
Um, so with that said, um, all these things, and really there wasn't anything on here that I was like, nah, that's not really that important. All these things are supremely important. But understanding that we're not going to find these anywhere helps us, uh, we're not going to find all of these anyplace, helps us understand, okay, what do I really value in a job, in an organization, in a, in a company, and what are the things that I can live without? And we'd love to say we're going to have all these things, but the reality is maybe we're going to have a collaborative environment where we win together, but our boss is a little bit aloof, so we're not going to be able to get, you know, have a personal relationship with them like we would like. Or, so there's going to be a trade-off to some degree. But again, what this comes back to, to me, ultimately, is your senior leader. Um, so let me, let me reorganize the question a little bit, <clears throat> and we're not going to do as exhaustive a list. If you could come up with, and I might end up doing an exhaustive list, if you could come up with your ideal boss, And I'm sure none of your bosses are watching, so don't worry. We're not showing crowd shots. Nobody knows who's here except me. Uh, If you could come up with your ideal boss, what would your ideal boss look like? What would they act like? How would they treat you? Um, What are some things they would do or wouldn't do? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. What does your ideal boss look like? (laughs) We're just going to go back through the list again? Is that what we're going to do? Okay. Okay, share monetary success. Yeah. Forgive. Okay. Knows you and values you. That's good. Um, Direct, that's probably not universal. I would guess that not everybody in the room wants a boss that's direct, but I don't disagree with you. Direct, I like that. Integrity, I sense a theme. (laughs) There are, uh, some of the answers you guys are giving are linked back to your work environment. I'm starting to see some of this already. What else? Ideal boss. What else would you want? What? Empowering. Empowering, yeah. Okay. Empowering, respectful. Experienced. Experienced? Okay. Um, how, yeah, how about if I put... Um, Right experience. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you meant. Uh, what was the next one? Knowledgeable. I think there's a fine line too. Like we want a boss that's knowledgeable. Knowledgeable. I don't know. I'm going to write it so small you can't tell if I wrote it correctly. Um, like we want a boss that's knowledgeable, but we also don't want a boss that's always in our business. Like we don't want to be micromanaged, but when we need help, we want to be able to go to our boss and have our boss be able to speak into our stuff. So I get that. What else? Linda Marshall Rierick said, um, someone who is willing to do the same job as employees when necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could I, how about if I, is it a stretch to say humble? 
That sounds like humble to me. I mean, if, they'll, if they're willing to do the work that anybody's doing, that feels like humble. I just don't want to write all that out, Linda. Sorry. I'll bring you guys the microphone for these next ones. What else? Lisa said accommodating, empowering. Oh, Linda. Yeah, Linda said, please read the response. We can't hear or read them. Just zoom your screen in real big, and you, you want to be able to read all these, I promise. You wouldn't be able to read them even if you could see them. I'm sorry. Um, what else? Helpful? Is that helpful? Yeah. I think that kind of goes back to empowering, but yeah. Patient. That's a good one. I'll be patient with you as long as you get it done in the next 24 hours. I'll be very patient with you. So, Life work balance. That's a good one. Um, okay. Um, I understand what you're saying. Uh, basically, understand that you have a life outside of this office. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Life work. We'll just put that. Life work. That's good. What else? Wise. Wise. Okay, explain what you mean by that. Wise includes knowledgeable, but also knowledge, uh, but also knowing what to do when. Okay, so wise is not just knowledgeable, but knowing how to apply the knowledge. Okay. So these go together? All right. She's like, that's what I wanted to say, but Bob said it better. His words were more better than my words were. Yeah, yeah it's, he writes books, so I get that. I get that. Okay. What else? Okay. Uh, that kind of goes back here, too, to some degree, but mentor. Somebody who's willing to invest in you, right? Mentor, invest. Well, and some of that goes back to this, you know, knowing and valuing. If, if they value you, they probably want to invest in you, spend time with you. So, yeah, that makes sense. What else? This is a big list. Is there more to add to it? Flexible. Flexible. Yeah. Flexible. Um, I'm not sure if this one is up there, but I would say someone who is able to hear the truth, someone who you can, you can say the truth to. Okay, would that kind of be like humble? Would that kind of go along with that? Um, maybe gracious would that? also be. Candid? What did you say, gracious? Mm -hmm. I like gracious, that's good. Yeah, so you could... You could have an, an honest conversation with them and go, hey, maybe this didn't go as well as we thought it did. Can we talk through this? Yeah. Yeah, I've had lots of bosses that I thought if I went in and initiated that conversation, I would be terminated. Like at churches, right? Like, so this isn't in the, the corporate world. Um, so yeah, I think we all would like somebody that we can just be open and honest with. What else? I think a big part of that one too, like the great, the idea of gracious um, is that 
it's also, I think a lot of employees are afraid to talk to their bosses about certain things because they don't want their boss to think less of them or they're, yeah. you know, they're, they don't want to expose vulnerability to their boss. Yep. And that can happen maybe if the boss is not capable of handling the truth properly, but also if there's like an unhealthy element of competition between employees yep. where the, you know, there's like a, a hierarchical order of employees. And if you go Super to the boss with like a problem, and, yeah, and then yeah. it can knock you down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Summit PA Church says ideal boss equals Mel Massengale. <laughs> Did my wife log on to this or what? <laughs> I, I didn't do that, by the way. I did not log on here. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, hold on one second. Um, okay. So um, share in the wealth, basically. Somebody who will forgive, transparent, somebody who will know you and value, somebody who's direct, somebody of integrity, someone who, who's empowering and it's starred. We, we really want that. Uh, respectful, someone who's wise, experienced, knowledgeable, humble, helpful, patient, somebody who understands life-work balance, uh, a mentor who will invest in you, flexible, gracious. <laughs> That's a tall order, right? Okay, and, and, and those of you who work for people, um, <laughs> some of you are the boss, and you don't answer to anyone, which is great. Good for you. Um, but for the rest of you who have a boss, do any of you have bosses that look like this, the whole package? No, none of us do. I've never known a human like this, right? Like they might have moments where there are a few of these things, but very rarely are they all these things. And so one of the things I want to help you with tonight is number one, to help you see there is no ideal work environment where everything is perfect and everything falls perfectly into place. But what we tend to believe is it's out there, we just don't have it. The other thing we believe is there is the perfect boss out there somewhere. And the reason organizations aren't functioning on all cylinders with all the things on our list is because they're run by bosses who aren't functioning on all cylinders with all the things on the list. They're led by people who are deeply flawed and deeply broken and can't put all this stuff together because this stuff is impossible. It's impossible to be all these things. Um, one of the things in, in, in what we do is I deal with a lot of pastors and pastors of any size church struggle with the pressure of I've got to do all the things that are expected of me. Because if you've got 100 people in a church, you've got 100 ideas of what the pastor should be doing. And it's no different in a lot of organizations, a lot of companies. If you've got eight people in your department, you've got eight ideas of how you could lead better and how you should be doing something different. Um, and, and in a church, they, most people believe you have to be a great counselor, a great administrator, a great preacher. Uh, you have to be at every birthday party, every soccer game. Um, here's all the stuff we expect of you. And if you don't do that, then in the church world, sometimes they'll just leave and go to a different church. Um, but the reality is that pastor doesn't exist. Uh, that CEO doesn't exist. That boss doesn't exist. And so... What I want to get to is I want you to understand that, um, that you're not that boss either. I'm not either. Uh, I'm grateful for whoever was that said it's, you know, Mel Massengale. Uh, that is a lie. Um, I, I had to apologize to a staff member this week because of something I said to them that I shouldn't have. Uh, the way I responded to them was harsh 
and I needed to go back, and I just told them. I was, it was my fault. Um, I didn't mean to do that. I shouldn't have responded that way. And this boss doesn't do that. This boss doesn't have to apologize, right? Because they've got all their stuff together. So, so what I want to do, let's go back. And some of you who said some of these out to me, uh, I want you to help me out. Travis, did you say this one? Oh, who, who said the first one? Mark. Mark. Um, okay, so you share, explain to me. I know you kind of said what it was, but explain to me what it is. Hey, Michael, let's get the mic on Mark, if you don't mind. So explain to me what this one means for you. If the company sees growth, you see growth. Okay. Um, bonus program, uh, steady wages, but also, too, if the company goes the other way, yeah, you understand, too, that you're not going to get those bonuses and those raises yeah, and yeah, everything yeah. else. But just be, because a raise only is good for so long. Mm-hmm. The person resorts right back to what it is. But if they have that, okay, quarterly bonus or this and that, they, yeah. they will work more progressive. And if we're going to be honest, and maybe I'm wrong about this with you, Mark, but if, if we're going to be honest, part of that isn't even the monetary amount. It's the idea that the boss is looking out for the people in the organization, right? I mean, if, if I'm wrong, okay. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I worked, the last church I worked at, it was much, much larger than Summit Church. Um, about uh, let me think, four times the size, five times the size of Summit Church, my location was that I oversaw. And after I left, the pastor had an issue and he had to resign and uh, a lot of things came to light and I found out how much he made. And that pastor that I fought for some of our staff to get raises, you know, we can't afford it. I found out after I left that that pastor made as much in one month as I made in a year. And I was running the organization and I was fine but I was a little indignant because I was like, wait a second, that, that violates this fundamental idea that the, the person at the top should be looking out for the people below them on the flow chart. You know, if, if they're a parent, then this is bad parenting. And so, no, I totally get that. So let me ask you a question. Is, and, and maybe not in this exact way that you're sharing the, the wealth, the money, um, but is there a way that you help create an environment where you, the people that are below you on the flow chart feel like, you're supporting them, that, that you're in this together, you're looking out for them. So what you're asking is, so what you're asking is, do you show that the people underneath you, you appreciate yeah, yeah. that? How, how, what does that look like for you in your, in your setting? Like the people that, are, that you supervise or that either directly on the flow chart or maybe indirectly, what does that look like? As far as? As far money, as just helping money. them feel like you care for them and that you're... Well, <laughs> Let them work overtime. Uh, yeah. Just help, like, on holidays or certain times where after eight hours you lose your double time on a holiday. Uh-huh. But if you work that eight hours, you get double time. Okay. So make sure you're done in eight hours. Yep. Because I don't want you guys to lose your double time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So just to look out for them. And if they have a family issue, let them go. That's good. And say, hey, we'll make up the time or we'll figure it out. Yeah. Just things like that. Just no, so that you're understanding to say, hey, you, I understand you rely on your paycheck. Let me help you maximize your paycheck. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's important. Um, let me see. Travis, which one did you say you did? No and value. No and value. Okay, that's good. Um, okay, so in, when you're talking about knowing and valuing, I'm assuming – well, here, why don't you just tell me? you got a mic. Well, if, if you're working for a company um, and – I work for a corporation. So outside, you know, we have an owner who is not locally in Indiana, Pennsylvania. 
Um, he knows who I am, you know, even though he has, I work for a radio stations group. Uh, so there's radio stations here in Jefferson County, Pittsburgh, Florida. Um, but he, he knows who my family is. When he sees me, he asks me about that. Yeah. If he knows that I've done something to, you know, to help, he's praising that. Yeah. It's, it's knowing and valuing. You're more apt to really go hard for someone who values what you do for them yeah. and appreciates the contributions and, you know, sort of when something goes wrong, they're, you know, they're reaching out to see how you're doing, how you're getting along. And, and so, yeah. like I said, it, that to me is, is always very important in a leader uh, to, to know your employees and, and be able to value um, what it is that they bring to your table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in your current role, do you have staff that, that work for you? Very small. I, I do have, yeah, I, I just, I have uh, two people under me. Okay. So like in your, in your situation though, it's probably easier to really know them and show care for. Sure. Yeah. 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 Probably. Like yeah. I, I don't have the same, uh, you know, I don't control anything financially that would yeah. value, you yeah. know, benefit them. But, you know, I believe people work better when they're praised. Uh, even when they make mistakes, you, you know, you don't come down too hard. Be, you know, you've all, we've all been in that spot where we've done something that, you know, yeah. oh, afterwards we say, well, I can't believe I did that. Um, well, you know, and, compensation and, only goes so far. I mean, it sounds silly to say that. We all want to be paid well. We all want to be comp. We all have to pay our bills. Certainly. We all, there's things we want. I get all that. But you could be really highly compensated and still not feel valued by your organization because what you just said, you don't feel like you're seen and, and cared for. Um, I'm just a person. I'm just a name on a spreadsheet. I'm just a number. And, and I think that's, that's important. Absolutely. I think everybody would probably agree with that, too. That's important. Um, what are some other big ones on here that you guys threw out here? I don't think anyone said this one yet, but it just came. I just thought of it. Uh, We're not adding anything else to the list, Mike. <laughs> Which, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Go ahead. A boss who makes lists. No. Um, hey. <laughs> how about a boss who loves his own job and cares about his own job? Because, I mean, there's probably lots of yeah. managers who hate their jobs because their responsibility is so great and it weighs on them all the time and that negativity gets passed down the... They love their work. Uh, yeah, I think there's something to that for sure. Um, again, we're not showing the room. I'm just curious. Those of you who aren't the boss in your organization, how many of you feel like you're in an organization with a boss either directly above you or somewhere up the flow chart who doesn't like what they do? I'm just curious. Okay. Huh, that's sad to me. For those of you that are watching online, uh, there are four or five people in the room that raise their hands. But uh, yeah, that's sad to me. And I never hadn't thought of that, but that's true. I think, I think that does have a trickle-down effect for sure. Okay, what else? What are some things we feel like are important on here? If we were going to list how important some of these are, um, empowering was said a couple times. Would that be toward the top of the list for a boss? We want a boss who's empowering, uh, transparent, forgiving. I think we all want somebody who's forgiving, right? Because we know we're going to screw up at some point. Um, okay, so let me ask you a question. If we want a boss who's more empowering, we're going to just stick with that one. Um, if we want a boss who's more empowering, how do we as a staff, as someone who's not the boss, the big boss sitting in the C-suite, how do we, 
how do we function more in a more empowering way with the people who are working with us? What does that look like? I think a lot of it has to do with a high standard of excellence. And maybe you can comment on uh, what is a good way to maintain a high standard of excellence as a boss or as an employee uh, while also being forgiving. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that down. Um, I'll give you guys a second. I would love to hear some feedback from you guys. What are some things you guys do in your organization to empower people? I think you're starting to pry a little bit, though, Mo, you know? I'm starting to pry? You're starting to pry. You're asking something <laughs> of us rather than just listening, you know? Um, I think for empowering to me, if you ask somebody to do a job, you have to give them all the tools and resources they need to do it. Yeah. And so that falls on the leadership above to make sure that whatever they need to get the job done, they have it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's a big difference between empowering and delegating. I'm going to give you a task to do, but I'm going to empower you to actually make the change you need to make. Yeah, that makes sense. Who else? Yeah, Aaron. I think you have to really control your own view of how it should be done. Really, you have to ask yourself, if somebody creates an outcome, is it really necessary or important that they didn't do it the way you thought it should be yeah. done? Like, is it, is it a problem of the outcome, or is it a problem that they didn't do it the way you do it? Yeah. Yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? Because don't we all want it done? Like Bob said, exactly the way I want it done. And, uh, man, that's when, honestly, that's been one of my biggest challenges uh, as a leader here is to uh, to let go of needing it to all look exactly like I want it to look. That's been hard um, because what we give up is, well, it's, I think if it looks like the way I want it, it's going to be an A+. Plus. But if, if I release it to somebody else, it might be a B. And so is the value of empowering somebody else worth it going from an A plus to a B. And 99% of the time I say, yes, it is. There's a 1% that I'll go, ah, no, we needed to do it this way or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm selective about some of that too, but it's hard. We all struggle with that. Yeah. Just one of the things I had to realize myself is if I always micromanage the A output, I always have to be involved in the process. Yep. And if I'm okay with getting a B, a B, a B, I will eventually develop someone who produces an A result. Yeah. But but if I don't shut myself down, I'm gonna be the roadblock. Yeah. So no, it's, you're, it's you're challenging. Exactly right. Yeah, that's the trade-off. We're the lid for the growth um, of the individual and ultimately the organization. Um, but I think it comes back to like what Bob was talking about. It's not just about saying, go do this task, but it's about coaching them and looking to develop them because then they might give you a B, but you're helping them. So the next time, maybe it's a B plus next time, you know? And so, yeah, it's hard though. That's, for most people, it's way easier for us to just do it ourselves. I'll just do it myself. It's easier. It's like, well, it is in the short term, but in the long term, it's way harder to do it yourself. So that's good. Who else? What does it look like empowering in your position? What does that look like for you? Anybody else want to share? What about, uh, let's go to this one. 
This is one we like from bosses, but we don't always like to do. Transparency. Uh, I think a lot of us would like our people up the flow chart to be more transparent and honest about things. Um, and I don't think transparent was the original word. Whoever shared it, was it transparent? Was it you, Christy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any feedback on that or thought on that? I mean, the organization I'm a part of, that's like one of our core values is transparency. Uh-huh. But the line of work I do, you can tell whenever someone, you know, gets information from the top and as it's trickling down, they pick and choose what they want to share yeah, yeah. with people below them. And then it just like creates distrust because I know you know, so why wouldn't you just tell me what you know, kind of that sort of thing. Yeah. So that can be frustrating. Yeah. And it's, I think it's probably especially frustrating when it's a stated uh, value of an organization. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, I could see how that could be frustrating. Okay, so what does it look like for you with your team to be transparent? How do you, how do you live that out with your team? Yeah, I mean, I don't see the... I don't see like the um, perk of keeping information from... Yeah. Uh, and I like read... I lead a sales organization, so... I know that the people are going to work the next month as well as like everybody needs a paycheck this month and next month. So mm-hmm. I don't see the value in like withholding information yeah. and that um, I think people buy into my vision and what we're all do like our overall mission to, to yeah. move forward. That's good. Okay. And just while I have the mic, I want to piggyback on the thing at the bottom where a boss doesn't yeah, love boss their job. Their job. Yeah. I think that that comes from accidental leadership. Like you just accidentally landed in that role. Yeah. I, I I and 100% sadly, agree. That happens in sales organizations all the time. I think we did we talk about this? I mean, we might have referenced this and I don't even remember what month we would have talked about it. Uh, one of the problems in a lot of sales organizations is that somebody is a killer salesman mm-hmm. and they get promoted into management and they stink at management. Yeah. They're terrible managers, but they're great at sales. So they go into a role that they're not even good at and now they're frustrated. The organization's worse for it. Um, and that happens in lots of sales organizations. They go, oh, you're great at sales. We're going to make you a manager. No, no. You know, that's a mistake. But uh, in, in the sales organization, that's what they see. They see the results in those areas. So they go, okay, this is what we're going to do. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of people, they fall into a position, and for whatever reason, that's where you get some of that stuff where they just, or maybe they're just jaded, grizzled. They've been doing it so long. I mean, yeah. Maybe they're trapped. I'm just going through all the all the possibilities now. I know people that are trapped by their their slaves to their income. They hate their job, but they're slaves to it now. They make too much money, and they've got to do what they're doing, even though they hate it. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities, but I think that's that's a good one. What else? Anybody else have any thoughts on transparency in the organization? How you live that out, uh, that ideal out for your team? I would imagine that being the boss of a bigger organization would mean that you'd just be subject to an onslaught of criticism all the time. You know, every time any little thing failed, the buck would stop with you, and then you'd have the people who would just criticize you, you know, out of envy or some other unhealthy place. And so I'm kind of curious what you think about somebody who's in in a position of leadership. How can they handle the negativity and the conflict resolution and that sort of thing without becoming cynical? Oh, that's a great question. Does anybody have some feedback on that or thoughts on that? How to lead without becoming cynical? I mean, only the people at the top really have the big picture. So I think keeping that in mind is that 
like lower down on the chart. They don't they yeah. don't know what else is going on. Yeah. So they they're only upset about what they can see in front of them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good perspective. Um, I think uh, there's a, a sports metaphor that says you have to have a short memory. You know, um, you're going to miss a whole bunch of shots, but you've got to have a short memory. And Michael Jordan talked about that one time, uh, all the game-winning shots that he missed. But if you live with that, if you just own it and go, man, that's, oh, I'm a failure, then the next moment arises, you're going to be in trouble. I think if we, if we just live in the criticism, it's going to, it destroys you. You can't do anything about it. But I think if you just go, okay, that's not who I am, and compartmentalize a little bit, I think that's helpful. Um, I don't know. I think we've probably all gotten criticism in our roles, um, whether it was fair or unfair, and we've got to decide what to do with it, and we get to tell ourselves a story about it, and, you know, this is who I am, or it's not who I am, or I get to get better now, or whatever it might be. Yeah, Bob. I think no matter what you're doing, you have to separate your identity from your work. Yeah. And I think the big mistake in our world is we try to draw our identity and our significance from our work. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think it should be the other way around, that we get our identity from God, and then that enables us to do our work with a vision. So if yep. you're secure in your identity, not that you don't care what people think, but it doesn't have the same effect as if you're insecure. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, I agree with that 100%. So when you're in a management or a leadership position, and you're charged with making really big decisions, and you have several failures maybe that happen in a row, how do you resist the temptation of becoming timid or afraid of making or taking risks and making decisions in the future? Anybody have some feedback on that? Anything you want to share? It's a good question. Um, there's a better way of saying what that this answer is, but... Um, okay, here's the better way of saying it. <laughs> I was about to get myself in trouble, probably. I would say relentless optimism. Um, I think um, I think some of the highest level leaders I've ever known had a relentless optimism. Not that they were blind, not that they were just just like a cockeyed optimist, but they just believed it was going to work out and believed in their ability to help lead through whatever it is they might be going through. And uh, I think, I think high-level leaders have to have some of that in them. Some people would call it arrogance, uh, self-confidence, um, you know, back to what Bob was saying a little bit, like, we just trust that God's going to work this out. Like, man, this is going to be a mess, but God's going to work it out. Um, like a, a lot of you going into spring, you know, spring of 2020, like, what are our sales going to look like? What are our numbers going to look like? Well, I don't know, but we're going to make it through. We're going to be okay. You know, I think having some of that helps you be resilient to go, okay, we just blew it three times in a row. We had three bad sales quarters, but this quarter is going to be better, whatever it is. I think you, you just have to have some of that in you. I don't know. Anybody disagree with that or have thoughts on that? I don't know. If I can just tweak it a little bit, yeah. um, I think it's a combination of being realistic, but having the faith that it's going to work. You got to spiritualize uh, everything, don't you, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> there, there was an interesting. I just saw, I read this somewhere that um, 
in POWs in mm -hmm. the in camps, the optimists were often the first ones to die mm -hmm. because they went in expecting things to get better soon and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the realists realized what was going on and they adjusted to it. Yeah. And so I think that you have to have that hope and that confidence that this is going to work in the long run. Yeah. But as a realist, you have to be able to look at what you've done, the mistakes that you've made, the changes, mm -hmm. and deal with things going forward. So I think it's that mix of confidence, hope, faith, uh, along with the realism. Yeah, and, and optimism was probably not the right word, but I like the way you put that. It's just a, a fortitude, maybe, to go, we're going to get through this. Like, we're going to get through this. And, um, and I love that example of the POWs, because, yeah, you're exactly right, like, the ones who just knew, this is going to suck, but we're going to do whatever we have to do to survive. Um, yeah, I think that's an attitude we have to have a lot of times. Am I allowed to say suck at church? I don't know if I am or not. I just said it twice. So. <laughs> that's right. Here it is. All right. Um, so here's the deal, guys. All these things that we put on this board, things we want out of an ideal boss, that we all long to have a leader like that, here's what I would tell you. Be the leader you wish you had. Become the leader. So if you see things that you're like, man, I wish my boss was transparent, practice transparency in your organization. Like, make that a cultural norm in your department and what you can control and what you can do. If you, if you wish your boss was more patient, practice and develop that. The way these things happen in organization is by them happening in people. And so what we have to do is just go, man, I'm gonna be the boss that I wish I had. Um, and, and I don't mean this in a, weird way, I think I'm a pretty decent boss, and I think the reason I am is because all along my way, when I had some terrible bosses, I would go, okay, what am I going to learn from this, and how am I going to be better? And not in a competitive way, but I just knew someday I'm going to be a boss, and I want to be the best boss possible. If you've ever lived in rental homes, um, and, and then you finally built a house, that's what we did. We were like, we lived in homes, and then when we built a house, we knew when we build a house, we want it to look like this, we want it to be like this, because we learn from our experience. And so this is what I would tell you guys. Take all the experience you've gained and say, how can I apply that? So if I want a boss that looks like this, that has integrity, how am I going to have more integrity in my job? Uh, if I want a boss that's more flexible, um, then how can I be more flexible? and work toward that. Practice it in your interactions with your teams and, and begin to develop that because that's the only way that that's gonna happen in an organization unless we have a magic wand that we can wave. Um, so I would encourage you, the stuff you want to see in your organization, begin to live it out. And maybe that's something that comes naturally for you and that's part of the, your dissonance as you go, oh, I wish the organization looked more like me. Well, um, that's where maybe you need to adjust a little bit, but... Um, work on the things that you want to see in your organization and ask God to help you with it um, because it's going to start to make a difference. Sometimes in organizations we feel overwhelmed because we go, well, I'm this far down the flow chart. I can't change this whole thing, but you don't need to change the whole thing. If you can change your part, you're going to impact somebody else's experience. You're going to impact your team. So don't worry about changing the whole organization. Worry about what you can impact and what you can speak into. So, uh, I'm going to stick around, and uh, we can talk a little bit more. I'd love to chat with you if you've got some thoughts or questions. And I'm going to pray, and then I'll cut our online audience loose. So let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for all you've done. Um, thank you for this conversation we've been able to have tonight. And uh, 
just have a talk about leadership and what does that look like. God, I pray for the people in this room, the people watching online, that you would grow our leadership, that God, the things we would like to see out of a leader, Lord, help us to embody that ourselves. Help us to live it out. Help us to practice it in our everyday life so that we can apply it um, in, uh, in our leadership. So God, have your way with us. I pray blessing on every person watching, every person here, and I pray that uh, you'd bring us back safe this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thanks for watching. God bless you.